What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert reviews, photographs, like Def Leppard, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I've just been burnt by the sun, and it's it's nice. I mean, it's all my skin's on fire. Well, you got to do like what Lit told you to do and just find a place in the sun, not to get burnt by the sun. I know, I know. I, you know, the problem is, is I hear things wrong, and then I just do I just do the wrong thing, and then I end up with my entire body feeling like I've been in a in a fire. Well, see, which you is followed really disrespectful Smash to people that have been in a fire. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a, to, dude, I was at Six Flags today, and yeah, I might as well have been walking on the sun. That, that is for damn sure. Yeah, good, good pull. I'm glad you got it. It's like what? I'm an all star now. <laughs> Speaking of a good pull, this uh, episode's guest is Maddie Mullins. He returns. We did this interview uh, while they were doing a short run with Pop Evil a couple of months ago, and uh, had a lot of fun talking with Maddie. He's uh, an always soft spoken, very well articulated uh, gentleman. Uh, in real life, and uh, it's always fun getting to talk with him. This one is a little bit of a, a different kind of conversation. I would say, like, the last one, you know, we talked more about uh, avenues outside of, you know, the band that he was interested in pursuing, and this one is more focused on relationships and uh, his relationship with his wife and, you know, them working together and finding time to, you know, be a, a couple outside of the work aspect of things. And this, you know, really is a heavily influenced conversation based on the fact of, uh, at that time, me having just quit my, my 9 to 5 job. But I do think that it's a, it's a really interesting conversation to, to have with someone who is so goal-oriented. I mean, I, I can't really imagine working so hand-in-hand with someone, especially your wife. I mean, I know the last thing I want to do after spending time of working with someone is to spend even more time with them. So I, <laughs> I always find it fascinating when people are able to work with their significant others on something especially when it's a business and it needs to, you know, you know, make dollars and cents and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think there's a lot of cool information in this, and I think there's a lot of a different side of Maddie that you're not used to seeing in interviews and hearing about, and I think is just as an integral part of why he is who he is and what he does as, you know, the, so what, you know, inspired these lyrics? Yeah, definitely. It's always good to be able to look behind the scenes and kind of get an idea of what somebody's mindset is going into things. And, and and to your point, I can't even work with my friends. Like I I couldn't work like an an actual job with my friends, you know, and and get anything. Either a in a best case scenario, we have a great time and don't get anything accomplished. And in a worst case scenario, they're not my friend anymore because I ended up doing a majority of the work, or they did. And it, it, it's almost easier to nitpick people that you already know than it is to nitpick total strangers, which is how companies are able to kind of like create like think groups and stuff and like get people together that they may not think that they work well together but it actually turns out that they do but yeah friendships it's it's rough i've i've gotten i've gotten my friends jobs places before where i've worked and you know and again like my significant other i don't even know if i could work with i don't know if i could work with my wife on a daily basis like that just that sounds horrific uh more so in that she would do a ton of work and then just be like you're a lazy piece of shit it's kind of like me and John's relationship, I, you know. It's very similar. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I don't know. It, it's really interesting because, like, I know this has been something, and this is like you know I was saying and have been saying for the last you know probably a couple of months is you know this is a a question that you can kind of ask some people. You know, like we talked about it with Danny Warsnop, and he was just like, you know, it's really hard, and, and I bit off more than I can chew on this tour that I was doing by trying to do the TM, and I was booking, and I was doing all these other things, and it just kind of gets to this point where it's actually really refreshing 
to hear people who I feel like are just killing it and like you're like man you got it all like you're able to somehow balance your your work life and you can do all these like four different bands and you got a side company and you got like a you know a nice house that you're remodeling and you and your wife are able to go on vacations and all this kind of stuff but it's been really refreshing to actually hear a lot of people be like it's fucking hard and I'm still figuring out how to do it because I am completely in that same mode where I'm like, okay, there's got to be a balance and I got to figure it out. But it's great to hear just like anything else in life, I guess, really, where it's like there is no set path that you can follow that works for everyone. It's all completely different dependent upon who the, the individuals are that are in this scenario. And that's really refreshing. Uh, and it makes me feel like when I feel like I'm overworking or overexerting myself in any direction that it's okay. And that I can try to take a step back and just kind of go, it's okay. And you know what? Find if you're going to get, if you feel like you're going to get burned out, like go do something else or just, you know, you don't have to like be going at all times. And I think that's kind of hard in this day and age now, like where we're always quote unquote on because of social media, that it feels like you have to be, doing more than you can at times physically well yeah and like we're not struggling because we suck everybody struggles no matter what level they're on you know and and that's that's kind of that's kind of nice it's it's one of those like we're all in there we're all in this together kind of moments yeah and uh you know what i'm not struggling with right now though is uh i know we've been kind of slacking on the beer uh all that kind of stuff talk lately um but i uh I have a blushing monk, a founder's blushing monk. It is back in season, and uh, it is very delicious. It is a uh, it is a Belgian style ale, fermented with pure raspberries, and it is fucking delicious. Where'd you get that from? Founders. Nice. <laughs> I'm so dumb. One of the best beer brewery companies in the U.S. They are pretty damn good. What have you been drinking this week since you've been out in the fucking hot, hot heat like OMC? Hot bizarre. Yeah, a lot of water. Definitely a lot of water. Uh, Are you I, a fan I, of like per, uh, those propels or like any of those? Like, no, I, I've I've actually found it best just to stick with just plain old fucking vanilla water. That's not vanilla flavored. It's just like regular water, like from from the fucking hose. Uh, and I actually like the way hose water tastes. So that could explain why my beer tastes are always a little bit off. Uh, but I actually did go out drinking uh, on Wednesday night, and I got. Uh, a really good beer called the Art of Neurosis, uh, which is actually um, recommended me. Scott Kelly's beer. Well, it's it's recommend no, <laughs> it's recommended. I, I did think that there was a tie-in, but there actually isn't. But I, I was recommended that beer uh, from my good friend Chris McCoy. Shout out to him, uh, who actually bought it for me and was like, "Dude, I'm not letting you leave this room until you try this beer," and it was really good. Uh, it was kind of like um, it was like a smoother like a smoother space dust. You know, it just. Uh, it went down a lot easier, and I wasn't completely drunk after drinking like three of them. Uh, so yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely is one of the better beers uh, local here to to the Lou or to St. Louis, and uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun uh, to try that. And you know, of course, I, I went uh, right into my logboat snappers after that, and there was no looking back because I, I love snapper, and it's it's getting to the point where it's actually starting to replace space dust because. As much as I like space dust, it just gets so citrusy sometimes that like your whole face swells up, and the last thing you want to do is drink something citrusy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I also want to apologize if you can, uh, you may not be able to hear this when we get it all edited in post, so maybe this is for not. But 
Uh, we are recording on the 5th of <laughs> July, and assholes are still shooting off fireworks. Yeah, they are. So potentially you might be hearing some pop, pop, pop noises behind us. And uh, dude, they were going, they were going to like three in the morning uh, on the fourth. It was insane. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. And as someone who has a dog who doesn't mind them, but it's still just annoying, like because she gets riled up when certain high pitched ones go off or whatever, or big booms, and it's like, ugh. And I can't imagine like having a child, like an infant or whatever, trying to sleep, and it's like got all these fucking assholes shooting off fireworks at like eleven midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. It's not fun. Sure isn't. But on that note, something that is a lot more fun than uh, asshole neighbors shooting off fireworks at all hours of the night is our conversation with Maddie Mullins. So let's get into that. And we will talk to you afterwards. <laughs> the pleasure once again sitting across from mr maddie mullins here in detroit the rain seems to have subsided he brought the good weather with you yeah i hope as good as it can be here i guess <laughs> um it's been a little bit since we uh we did this chat last time uh you guys were on the atreyu ice nine kills tour yeah and uh damn it seems like that just what a way to end it like do a tour like that whole thing was like sold out basically it was unreal man i mean we, we, we didn't really know what to expect uh confirming that tour we're all huge atreyu fans but we hadn't been following um you know like how many people they draw or, or whatever for, for a while now and so we were just like man let's go and do the tour because we love the band and we love the guys and um had no clue that it would be such massive shows so it was a huge success i think the thing that was interesting to me a couple of things actually was the fact that just the sense of camaraderie. Like, I mean, we were only there, I think we were about the middle of the, the tour at that point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, with having Patrick making a cocktail of the day for, like, the whole yeah. tour and all of that kind of stuff, and just it seemed like the whole tour got along. And I know maybe that's not always the case. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's got to just be really good to not only have it be a friendly tour, but have it be a successful tour. That's too. the best thing in the world, man. I mean, that, and that's largely due to Atreyu and their camp. You know what I mean? Their crew... And them as people, as the band members, right? I mean, they are so genuine. And they really wanted to connect. And I'm never upset when bands, when headlining bands are not, like, going out of their way to connect with the other bands. Because we do this so often. You know what I mean? And you're meeting new people every month. And so it can be exhausting and mentally taxing to be having to do everything you have to do on top of like going out of your way to build new relationships. But when people do do that, uh, we always appreciate it so much, man. I mean, it's so awesome. It was really rad. Cause I feel like at that particular moment, the tour, I mean, it's like ice, not kills obviously has been growing their brand for a little bit. Totally. But I feel like I remember telling my wife, you know, the line for their merch was just, at least 20, 30 people long. Incredible. The whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing their set reminded me, uh, conveniently enough of, uh, when a tree put out the curse. Like yeah, I was like, right. I feel like they're, we're in this like weird moment where like, this is the band that's going to transcend like for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Totally, man. They're definitely having their moment right now. And, and rightfully so. I mean, they've been going at it for so long and, uh, and just grinding just as, as hard as any of us out here, you know, any, any other band. And, and so to see them have, have their moment and have success is really awesome. You know, you ended up doing basically from that, if I'm not mistaken, you went on a, a run with he is legend doing headline shows. Yeah. Is it kind of tough going from like a support slot 
to then doing a headliner like pretty much right afterward like kind of getting the gears in motion of like okay now we gotta play a little bit longer you know man gotta... i would say for the first like five years that we were a band jumping back and forth between the two was miserable i mean uh you have this kind of like mindset and your body gets used to performing for a certain amount of time your brain gets used to remembering a certain amount of like songs and lyrics right and so uh it was tough but these days jumping back and forth is not too tough as long as we're kind of as long as we're staying on the road Right? If, we, if we do a tour that's a support tour and then we're home for three months and then we go out and headline, then it's like everyone's out of shape. and You know what I mean? <laughs> so that can, that can be a lot tougher. But no, I mean, these days I feel like you know, we have it pretty down, and, and so we're thankful for that. With uh, this Pop Evil run that you guys are doing, I think, it's, I think it's a very small run. Yeah, it's only a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah. But I think speaking to Atreyu, Ice Nine Kills, Pop Evil, and He Is Legend, that's a very diverse lineup. And I yeah. feel like in the last handful of years, it seems like you collectively have been making a more focused effort to try to play a more diverse lineups and getting in front of completely different crowds. Is that is that accurate? From the jump, man. I mean, as long as we've been a band, we've wanted to do tours like that. And um, when the opportunity is there, we'll always take it. You know, like we did a co-headliner with Yellow Card. And, uh, and, so, and people were like so confused by that. But the shows were awesome. You know, so it, when it comes down to it, if the opportunity is there for us to tour with bands that people don't expect us to tour with, we're going to do it every time. Do you feel that these tours... Because, I mean, I feel like with the latest record, you took some, some risks totally. on this one. Do you feel like that album and getting on these tours kind of has paid off? Like, do you notice it, like, the songs that maybe, if you were playing something like this, like, 10 years ago, you probably would have been like, wow, that's that's way out of what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. But this new record seems to land a little bit more with, like, the popular crowd and so forth. Totally, man. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's give and take. I mean, we have nights where... You know, we're up there and just going 100%, and, and the crowd is like, you know, I don't know who you are. You know, like on a tour like this with Pop Evil. And that's the goal, right? Like, we're out here to play for people that haven't seen us or heard of us before uh, so that we can broaden our fan base. Um, but what's rad is, like, when we have a night that we don't expect to go off, and it's just insane. We played in Warrendale, Pennsylvania the other day, just, like, out in the middle of nowhere, right? It's outside of Pittsburgh, but still, like, it's, it's out there. And... Um, and it was amazing. I mean, the age range was 7 to 70. I mean, there's like some old guys in the crowd. And it just felt so awesome to know that we could captivate a crowd um, that's so diverse, you know. And, and, and we're so thankful for our new record and the success that we've already had at radio with the old me, um, you know, being able to, to bring us into those situations. So. You know, I saw that last night uh, I was back home in Grand Rapids uh, interviewing Stitched Up Heart, who started basically the Godsmack Volbeat tour. Oh, rad. And they had just had their new single on, uh, was it Test Drive? Yeah. And I yeah. saw that you too also had a song that just uh, started on Test Drive Yeah, as well. like yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what does, I mean, because to me, I'm old school. I remember when like radio was the, the big push for everything. Yeah. And XM, while I know it's huge, it has millions and millions of subscribers. It still seems like an ancillary thing that, that isn't legit there. If that makes sense. Like, it just kind of seems like from a fringe perspective, it's like, well, I don't see it. Like, you know, I listen to Apple music. I have Spotify, like right. that it, it doesn't exist in the same way that like, Oh, I can turn on my radio still and I can hear songs. Totally. So what does the impact of getting a song on, you know, like a test drive or something like that, do you see like instantly like what the what that does for you as a band? Yeah, yeah, you do. And, you know, Octane caters to a specific demographic, right? Um, it's the people that aren't necessarily um, utilizing Apple Music or Spotify to like stream and, and listen to 
playlists and stuff. It's the people that would listen to radio, but maybe they like the songs that Octane plays better than their local station, or maybe they live in a place where they don't have a local rock station. And Octane is there, and it's available, and they're playing their favorite songs. You know, so it's like those kind of people um, are are diehard Octane fans, and we love the fact that they get to hear our music on, on Octane. So Kind of shifting up gears a little bit. Um... I recently saw that you and your wife had a really interesting opportunity to go to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, for the, have it written down, provoke and inspire. Uh, is it a, a seminar or what exactly is it? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I, just to be totally honest, I, I don't really know what classifies something as a seminar and, and what doesn't. Uh, but we were out there as a ministry opportunity, which was really cool. Um, there was a guy named Chad Johnson that was the head of A&R for Solid State Records, uh, Tooth & Nail, back when like he signed Under Oath and he signed like all these bands. And um, I got connected with him just a few years ago and I loved his story and his background and um, he was intrigued by, my, by mine as well. And so we met up and chatted and stayed in contact and he works with this other nonprofit called Steiger, and they just go places and they just encourage people um, who are uh, that have platforms that that are influencing or people that aren't, you know, anybody that wants to come, um, just to live radically for ministry. And um, and it's so cool. It's something my wife and I have been involved in for so long. So we went out there and we just hung out with a bunch of really rad people in Hawaii and swam in the ocean and and enjoyed our time there and and did that uh, that that event. I will say it was my wife and I on stage speaking for 30 minutes, if that makes it a seminar, then yes, it was. <laughs> uh, but, but if, if that's not a seminar, then, then it was whatever it was. Well, I don't know. And that, and that was, it's kind of funny. You, you perfectly segued into it for me. You know, what does doing something like that do for you? Cause I mean, obviously you get to basically, I don't want to say preach. That's not the word I want to use, but I mean, you're, you're basically on a stage or a platform getting to speak, you know, your message that you've written down and, and you know, relaying it to people every night, basically doing the band thing. So what does doing something like that in that kind of a medium offer you that maybe the band doesn't? Um, it's definitely not about what it offers me. I, you know, I think that there's different avenues for different types of ministry, right? And for me in this world, um, bottom line, when you start talking about Jesus, a lot of people get offended. And I totally understand that because there's a lot of people that have been hurt by people that say they're Christians and they just drag the name of Jesus through, Jesus through the mud, right? And so when people say like, I hate God or I hate the fact that you're talking about God, what they're really saying is like, I hate that person that hurt me so much they claim that they were doing whatever they were doing in the name of Jesus, right? And so I'm never offended by that. If you don't want to hear something about my relationship with God, that's totally fine. I totally understand that. Um, so what I do out here on the road that's so cool, you know, oftentimes in an environment like this, what's so cool about rock and heavy rock and metal is that people can come here and they feel like they belong. Oftentimes when those people don't feel like they belong at home or at school and I get to come into these places that a lot of people come in with heavy hearts and I get to just love on people and play songs that offer a message of hope and um, and talk to people outside by the bus and just hear their stories and encourage them. And that's a very specific type of ministry to me. I just love to love people. Um, whereas this seminar quote-unquote <laughs> in uh, in Hawaii was you know very much focused towards people who were believers that just wanted to be inspired in that way and say okay well this is how you guys use your platform to honor God like I want to do that too so tell me more about what you do and so it's you know it's basically two completely different things and it's just awesome to get involved in it and um and there's the obvious you know it was rad to go to Hawaii too you know what I mean uh so yeah what does getting the opportunity to share an experience like that with with your wife but also kind of 
I was trying to find some videos of it or something like that to at least kind of get more of an understanding of what you two talked about. Sure. Um, and I couldn't find anything, but it kind of made me wonder, you know, like obviously like I think a thing that we tend to forget about is the fact like you're out on the road for months on end. Your wife doesn't always get to share in those experiences. So you're basically just gone. Yeah. Um, and you, you get to see parts of the world that maybe she won't and, you know, photos and all that are great, but it's one of those that like, I feel like this is kind of a, a rare instance where you're able to do something together, but also kind of have a shared experience of like, this is kind of what I get to do in a completely different side. But like, this is, you know, get to travel, get to see things because of the message that I'm, I'm putting forward. Totally. You're spot on, man. I mean, we definitely want to travel together when we're older and I'm not touring anymore and go and see some of the things that I got to see and show her the world. And, um, but as for now, um, it's, almost impossible for her to, to come places with me all the time. I mean, when we tour Australia and everything, we're flying every single day, you know? So like bringing an extra person is an insane expense. And so when we get opportunities to go and do things like this together, it's my favorite, you know, because she is so inspiring. You know, my wife has a nonprofit and um, just has such an incredible heart for people and loves people and wants to help and inspire people. So I love when she gets the opportunity to go out and use those gifts as well, you know, so uh, to go and to do it together was definitely, that's like the perfect case scenario for me. With the seminar, and again, since I wasn't able to see what was said and all that kind of stuff, was there anything about whatever she talked about that maybe you didn't even haven't heard her vocalize before and you're like oh wow that's cool like not necessarily um you know even though we spend a good amount of time apart while i'm on the road and everything we're so connected and we're so invested in each other's lives um that before we went to go speak like we had like practiced our, our speeches <laughs> to each other and everything you know what i mean yeah uh, we're very much each other's support system so um for us to not know about something that's happening in each other's lives would you know has never been the case you know i'm actually kind of glad you you brought it up like that um you've worked with your wife on a handful of charitable projects that you both are involved in and she seems to be just as busy as you are um something that i've kind of focused on like since we last talked i quit my normal nine to five to focus on this that's so awesome while man. doing kind of like a side hustle that you know is able to pay my bills and so yeah. forth awesome but something that you know when looking at your guys's your two's relationship is you know seemingly like you guys are very workaholic based type people goal oriented based people and always working and i kind of was wondering how hard is it to especially when you work together on things how hard is it to separate work from personal almost impossible okay it is so tough you that know doesn't give me much hope then that i'm not going to be able to do the same no man it's so it's so tough and i'm not going to lie to you you know what i mean like we have typically when i'm home we have one hour together at the end of the night we hustle hard you know what I mean? We both love everything that we do and everything that we chase after. And when we have an accomplishment, whether it's mine or hers or ours together, we celebrate it together. And it's awesome. But, um, but we both have entrepreneur mindsets. Um, we both want to offer the best version of ourselves to the world. And, and I think that's a, one of the major reasons why we haven't had kids yet. It's like we are both running at capacity, 100 miles an hour all the time uh, between running my hair product company and doing the band and having the solo project and writing songs for other bands. And now I just started managing a pop artist, all this stuff. I mean, it's chaos. Oh, and don't um, forget cameo. Yeah. And <laughs> cameo, luckily, <laughs> luckily that only takes probably 15 or 20 minutes a day, which is sweet. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's constant, it's constant for us. Um, but at this point in our lives, I don't think we'd have it any other way. From your perspective, kind of in me asking you as, as, as a married man, who's just, on the go all the time what is something that you have learned maybe through 
love languages, I guess, is yeah. something that uh, has been omnipresent in my life lately, like talking about them. Totally. Um, what is something that you have found works for you in relation to kind of be like, look, I know, like, you know, I want to spend time with you, but, like, I got to get this thing done. How do you articulate that, and how do you uh, – I already said find the balance, but how do you basically just – ensure that the time you're spending is quality time and not time where you're both still on your phones totally. for personal time. Man, it's so hard. Um, you know, we have very specific things that we do together. Um, w you know, with cooking dinner, that's like off limits. Like w no phones, no talk about work, you know, like we invest in each other. We usually like have a certain show that we'll watch as well together is that we can like, you know, both get invested in and have conversations about. We're pausing it every five minutes and like, oh my gosh, and you know, like blah, blah. Um, but man, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, to, to have those conversations when it's like, hey, I, I really need, I need time from you right now, you know? And before my wife and I got married, when we were dating, and even in the early years of our marriage, her love language was absolutely quality time. And she has definitely transformed into words of affirmation uh, because that's what I can offer. You know, um, I'm gone so much, and when I'm home, we're running so much. Um, and I don't think that this will last forever, man. I don't think that we can operate like this forever. I think that we're going to get a few years down the road and, and hopefully be in a place where everything can just kind of slow down. Um, but at this point, it's, it's, it's insane. It's kind of chaos. And I don't think that I have, like, one pretty answer as to how to solve that dilemma in a relationship you just need two people that both can be very understanding about what we're trying to accomplish i think it's something i didn't realize when when quitting a normal job and then basically doing this podcast and, and doing a side hustle thing that's sort of open to me 24 hours a day yeah how hard i'm willing to work for myself totally which then the hard part is is like you know when i'm making money i get competitive and it's like okay i gotta fucking hustle and i gotta go 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 totally and then it's like if that that's not going then it's like okay let's edit episodes let's get you know emails sent out like yeah just constantly going and you know it's like i i realized in telling my wife that i was like i feel like there is no one that i can blame now it's solely on me if if anything fails i have no omnious person that I can start blaming like well this person screwed me over at work today it's like yeah, no yeah, yeah. I screwed me up today yeah because I didn't do this yeah. I didn't do that there's no one to blame and as such it's hard to just turn it off totally totally it's it is tough and, and I and one thing that I've found as as a business owner that's that's also tough this is kind of like the yin and the yang to that right is that when things are going really well it can be really hard to be motivated to advance past that point. You know, like you're like, hey man, like this is comfortable and everything's awesome and, and I feel like I'm at capacity and you don't have a boss like breathing down your neck being like, I need more out of you. Right. It can, you can almost, it's dangerous. You can almost get comfortable in that, you know? So it's either I'm going way too hard and working way too hard or I'm slowing down because things are good. And it's like, where's that middle ground? Where's that, you know, we have set time that we're going to spend with our spouses and we have, you know, um, this amount that we have to accomplish each day regardless of how well things are going. And I'm not going to kill myself to accomplish my goals. I'm going to set this boundary that's healthy. You know, that it's all really tough stuff. Yeah, it's, it's something I've been trying to figure out a lot more in the last couple of months of doing it. And looking at what you do, it's just like, I feel like you and I are very similar totally mindset where it's just like go 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 yeah and so it's just been like i've been i've noticed that i've kind of fatigued my partner out at times sure as well as not probably 
taking the time to like adequately like get good sleep because sure. I'm like, oh, well, if you're not sleep when you're dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> but with totally that being said, man. you know, on point palmade, you know, you guys seemingly since last time I talked to you, like it seems like you have kicked that into another gear as well. It's crazy, man. Yeah. I've hired um, this like strategic planner, this guy that like goes into businesses and um, is just like, all right, well, here's here's where you're really thriving and here's where you're falling short. And what we're going to do is we're going to accelerate that area where you're thriving and we're going to fix the problems where you're falling short. And just like hearing someone else describe these different aspects of my business made it so much clearer to me what really needed to be worked on. And so um, I think that what we're really wanting to do right now more than anything is like, well, okay, we sell hair product and people love the product. People know it's a good product. People know it's a quality product. We don't have to prove that anymore. But what we've lost when trying to focus so much on telling people about how great of a product it is, is that we've kind of forgotten to talk about the heart behind the product, right. you know? And, um, and that's the whole reason why we started the brand in the first place. You know, I love men's grooming products because I've always been interested in them because they made me feel more confident. When I look my best, I operate my best, you know, because I'm walking in skin that I'm comfortable in, you know, and, and I know that I'm giving the best version of myself to the world and that helps. And so at the root of our company, we make quality grooming products because we want to offer confidence. And that's not some BS like slogan. That's, that's genuine. That's right. the reason why I loved men's grooming products. It's the reason why I started this brand. And so just getting back to, um, back to the, the root of it and really sharing with people and, and being honest with people about, we don't want you to buy this product so that we can make money. We want you to buy this product because we know you're going to love it. And when you love it, you're going to feel better. And that's awesome. When you can be the best version of yourself, if we're aiding in that in any way, then we've succeeded as a company. So going back into that and figuring out how to do that and how to, how to do that well. So, um, but then in turn, when you do that, it also ends up helping business because people fall in love with the brand. And so um, I think that's why there's so many uh, really successful, honest businesses out there. There's obviously a lot of trash out there too, right? But people find out about that. People see through that. But, um, you know, brands that people are really loyal to, brands that people are really in love with, they're in love with the, the story behind it. And so that's, that's what we want to offer more of. So, yeah. How hard has it been to go, I mean, you know, they all often say a band at your level is basically the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. So going into not only the hair care industry, but then even going into a more niche thing of men's grooming, not just, you know, grooming in general, sure. a product that is unisex and so forth, which I guess, actually, I take that back in, in today's world, everybody can get a different kind yeah, of haircut. No, so it we, is a unisex yeah, yeah, product, yeah, but totally. the fact that it basically is a, a niche market and it seems like you're kind of finally, you know, fine tuning everything and, and breaking through into that world. How hard is it to not feel overwhelmed with either one? Because I feel like, you know, I guess if there's an overall theme today, it's just how do you find balance? Yeah. In, in everything. I, I think that I could easily feel overwhelmed at any moment with the band or with the hair care products. Um, it's, it doesn't matter where you're at in business, there's always going to be someone ahead of you. There's always going to be something more that you don't have that you want. And if you allow yourself to focus on those things and allow it to break you down, um, you can, you can freak out about anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but what we, what I try to do is just to be thankful for every season, you know, like to be thankful for every moment and every place that I've been and where I'm at right now and where I'm going. Um, and not to focus on, 
you know, the red ocean, I guess is what you would call it, you know, where there's a little piece of food and all the sharks are going after the same thing. You know, like we really try to focus with not only the business, but also the band, the blue ocean, where we can swim freely. We're offering something that not many people are offering and we are being ourselves and we're being genuine and there's people that love that and there's people that will support that. Um, but as soon as you get into that comparison game, man, you start thinking like, oh my gosh, well, you know, American crew is selling a hundred thousand times the units that we are. And it's like, well, yeah, dude, but that's not what it's about. You know, we're not, I'm not in this to compete. Um, I'm actually thankful. I'm not a very competitive person. Um, and I think that that comes from, you know, as a child, my mom and my dad, everything that I did, they made me feel like it was like the greatest thing in the world. And I was the youngest of four. So it's like, by that time they had already realized that like, you know, that was probably the best way to parent. And it literally, I could do anything. My, me and my friend, Steven, we, uh, we hitched a, a trailer, a small flatbed trailer to the back of a three wheel bike. And we put a couch on the trailer and we were just ride it up and down these streets in Spokane where we were from. And my dad made us feel like we had just like reinvented the wheel. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everything that I did, he thought it was so awesome. And, um, so, so I don't have that, the, the failure complex that a lot of people grow up with. Um, whatever happens, happens. And that's awesome. I definitely want to do the best that I can in every situation. Uh, but I'm not so much worried about my peers or competitors and what they're doing. Um, I'm just happy to be where I'm at. So I find a lot of peace in that. Kind of shifting back to the band thing, you know, you were announced for the Disrupt Tour. Yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're on one of the two Warp Tour dates. Two. You're on both of them. Two out of three, I believe. Okay. I couldn't remember if there was two or three. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, just yeah. two. Uh-huh. Obviously, you guys are known for being on Warped. You've done plenty of them at this yeah, point. Yeah, man. So what, is it gets, what does it mean to you at this point now that, you know, because I had been saying on the podcast for a long time, I think the thing people weren't latching on to was that it was the last full country tour. Yeah, Not right. that it was going to go away. So what does it mean to be involved in this new iteration of Warped Tour at this Dude, point? Dude, I think it's done. I think this is the last. You the, think this is it? I they hit 25 and they're done? These are the last because they're being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, really? For the 25 years. They had to hit 25 years, I believe, to be the longest running f- festival tour in history. Okay. And so they're doing these shows and, and being inducted, and I think they're done after that. And I can't say that for sure, but from everything that I've heard and from the people that I know behind the scenes, I'm, I'm almost certain these are the last three Warped Tour shows of all time ever. So um, if there are more in the future, we'll be so stoked. Um, but I do believe that, that these are this is it. This is the last two rock. Well, adversely, I think I think the Disrupt Tour is still a Kevin Lyman-based thing. It's not. It's not. Okay. Nope, it's I figured not. It, since it was almost replacing like Mayhem kind of. Right. Was so um, John Reese, who okay. also worked yep. on Mayhem, yeah. um, it's, his, it's his festival. Okay. Yep. What does it feel like to, you know, kind of be one of the – I mean, it's a – it's a real like who's who of past and present and it's current. It's so crazy, dude. Yeah. And it's one of those that, you know, like when I saw the lineup, I was just like, wow, you know, like it's got to feel really good to to be asked to be the inaugural anything yeah. within reason. <laughs> dude, it's it's wild, man. I mean, when we got that offer, we were just so thankful um, to be anywhere in association with a lot of the bands on that bill, man. I mean, it's a huge honor. We've never gotten a tour with Thrice. Mm. We've never gotten a tour with some 41. It's like, dude, those, that's a dream come true. Like a hundred dream comes tr- true. Dream come trues. I don't know. We have Dreams to, come true. Dreams come true. Yeah. A <laughs> um, hundred of those all in one, all in one summer tour. And it's like, just to imagine like walking around and like getting off stage or whatever and being like, I think I'll go catch Thrice. It's like, man, that's amazing. Yeah. You know? So uh warp tour was a blessing. And it was its own thing, and no one will ever recreate it. Um, but we're thankful to have a tour that we can do this summer. And um, 
and, and just to be out there with bands that we love and respect so much, you know? Obviously, that's going to take up, I think that takes you into fall. What does, what does the rest of this year have for you? And secondly, something I've been kind of touching on since I've been doing so many of these so quickly, uh, it's just a fun overlapping question for everybody because everyone answers it differently. You know, your record isn't, you know, old by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. However, we're in a world that's very kind of fickle and, and just on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Are you already thinking of, you know, in the day and age now where there's like EPs, B-sides coming out or remixes of something like uh, I just saw Harm's Way did like a, a remix album for their stuff that just dropped, I think, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was Friday. Um, still not used to that. And just seeing how like the, the industry is shifting into kind of creating content every so often musically whether like i said it's b-size it's you know live versions of something or whatever um are you guys already thinking in that realm or you you still have think that the newest record still has like long legs like for another year or so um the, the new record has a lot of life in it for radio that's not to say that people who've already streamed it a hundred times aren't over it you know what i mean um but i mean we just dropped our second single right. for radio literally yesterday which is weird that it took that long for the second single it did but it's, it's a blessing because um we had to wait because the first one was doing so well you know we sat at the top 20 at active rock radio for six weeks straight and it was like we just until it and start until it started to slow down we couldn't drop another one because you can't really do two at, at the same time so um drake would prove otherwise what was that that said drake proves otherwise oh yeah yeah well i mean there's <laughs> there's definitely some some an aspect where you know certain bands could put out you know a, a bunch of songs at once but for us being new to active rock you know it wouldn't have been smart um so yeah so we are definitely focused on the, the next single right now uh but we've also already started writing new material we're always writing new material if i had it my way um, we wouldn't even put albums out anymore. If I had it my way, we would drop a new single once a month. You know what I mean? Like write 10 songs and then just wait. Put them out once at a time. One at a time because pe people's attention spans are too short. And there's two, I mean, people are so focused on like what the one or two songs are that are on a Spotify playlist or whatever that the rest of an album doesn't even get any attention. It's like those songs don't even exist. So why are we writing them? You know? Um, so for, for me, it's like I would really love to take kind of the hip hop way and 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 just drop a single every every once in a while just to keep people involved and keep people stoked and uh lastly where can everyone find you the band anything else you would like to plug yeah sure man um find us online you know social media uh for the band it's just backslash memphis mayfire you know uh for me it's maddie mullins and uh for my hair product company it's on point pomade and um if you have any questions shoot me a dm or a tweet or whatever and i'll be glad to answer it Awesome. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time and uh, looking forward to the show tonight. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Maddie Mullins, the ever-smooth-voiced Maddie Mullins. It's funny, my wife and I have been uh, running, I won't call it an inside joke, but, you know, sometimes, like, when someone's kind of soft-spoken or, you know, like, I'll be like, oh, that person was really nice. And then she'll be like, like, Maddie Mullins nice? And then I'll always be like, well, you know what? It's really cool, uh, and stuff like that. And I'll just kind of put on, like, my, my faux Maddie Mullins voice. And it's like, it's one of those where it's like, when you try to explain to people how nice he is and like how his like, he just radiates positivity, like you can't help but like feel like, wow, I had a really good time talking to him. And like, I feel like he really cared about me. And that doesn't always come across when you do some of these interviews. So it is just kind of an interesting quality that Maddie has. And if, and if you ever get an opportunity to see a video of him doing an interview, you'll 100% understand what I'm saying. And I think you can just hear it in his voice whenever you even hear an audio version of an interview, but he's super nice. Always gracious with his time and uh, very thankful and appreciative that he was willing and open to talk so much about his you know, personal life, really, and his inner workings uh, with his wife and their relationship. And I, uh, I hope a lot of people are able to take 
something from this. Um, whether you're in a committed relationship, whether you've been married for a long time, whether you are a goal-oriented person and just trying to succeed in whatever it is that you're doing, I hope there's something in this that you can take away from it. Absolutely, but the biggest question I have to ask is, how did his hair smell? I didn't smell his hair, but it was on point as it always is, hence why he has on-point pomade. Um, he did tell me the last time we talked, though, he likes to get his hair cut every... I think he said every three days to keep it like that fresh haircut. Damn. Okay. And in talking with my stylist that I go to, I probably go to my stylist like maybe every three to four weeks. And like, I know like right now, like it's been about three weeks for me and like my sides need to be touched up and like, I definitely need to get my haircut like back in shape. Um, Because when you have a fade and all that kind of stuff, like it definitely needs attention. And and once it starts growing a little bit beyond the fade, it it just looks kind of haggard. So I'm really envious that Maddie always has like, people taking care of him and getting his hair looking all nice because I mean nothing feels better honestly than when you get a nice haircut and you know it it looks good and it feels good and you just feel better about yourself going on you're like yeah man like I, I fucking look good I'm, I'm ready to tackle my day I mean it's funny because it's like Maddie like like I was saying like Maddie is a very well-spoken you know uh soft-spoken and, and nice individual when you just talk to him and always feels like he gives you a hundred percent attention um whatever he's focused on and the other thing that's nice about it, too, is you just kind of look at him as you're talking because, like, you know, I'm not staring at notes or whatever. I'm looking at the person I'm talking to. And you just kind of can't help. You're like, man, your hair just looks so nice. It's like, you know, got that fresh cut to it. I'm jealous of that. And then, like, you, like, see him smile and he's got, like, a nice smile. And you're like, really jealous of that smile. Oh, he's got really nice white teeth. Son of a bitch, you got it all. Well, he's he's married, John. I mean, I know I know it sounds like you guys need to start dating, but no, I don't think uh, I need to have someone else in my life that's equally as busy, if not busier, than me in my life. <laughs> this is true. That's why our relationship works so well. <laughs> it does. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know. You want to record a podcast? Yeah, I guess. Grab a beer. Let's do it. <laughs> right. The podcast that is. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the first time you said that, I, I was like, well, I mean, I could be there in about seven and a half hours. We'll see how it goes. You're like, no, 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 just grab a beer. We'll do a podcast. I was like, oh, okay. So here's a here's a funny thing, kind of kind of getting our our brand back on par. Um, so recently, my my parents came up randomly, uh, and they were like, hey, do you want to meet us at New Holland, uh, New Holland Brewery? And we we're like, okay, sure. I have no idea why you're here on like a Sunday night or whatever, but all right, or Sunday afternoon. So we ended up taking them to uh, Atwater because there was a, a couple beers there. We we're talking about. And the one beer my dad likes, and we make a running joke of it, is this uh, company down in Kalamazoo called Gonzo's. They have a vanilla Java Porter that's really good. Um, it's his go-to. He doesn't really drink a whole lot of craft beer, so like when he finds one he likes, like that's just what he he dives into. Uh, creature habit and so forth. So we took him. I bought like a, a flight of uh, eight at at uh, at water. So basically, like I had almost one of everything, and he uh, tried had him try some, and he pretty much didn't like any of it. And I was like, all right. So then we went, I forget where we went after that, but we were talking and then he's like, oh, so like, oh, we were at New Holland. That's where we're at. And I had a, a dragon's milk, uh, maple, maple oak or some maple, yeah, maple oak or something like that. It basically is like French toast, uh, dragon's milk. Uh, cause every, I think like once a month or so, like now, uh, the brewery will come out with a different flavor of dragon's milk. So there's, you know, like there's been the bananas foster. There's been a something high, hibi- cherry hibiscus. There's a... Uh, there was a chocolate mint one that was really good. There was like, there's just been so many. And so my dad tried it and was like, oh, this is really good. This is really good. And 
then I tried like this blueberry uh, porter or whatever that was really good. And so like we got him going and then he just kept going like, oh, do you think like this is going to be like, is this a mainstay? And we're like, no, this is kind of like a one off. He's like, well, if it does really well, are they going to keep it around? Is this a seasonal only? And that was like his phrase is, is this a seasonal only? And we're like, I, I don't know, dude. Like <laughs> that's the thing with craft beer. Like once you start getting into it, you kind of realize like if you find something, unless it legitimately says on the thing, like this is the mainstay, this is what we make year round, all year round, then you're kind of like at the behest of whatever the fucking brewery is making. And that's why you try everything because you might find something and then you just overindulge in it because you know that it's going to be gone. Like potentially the next time you go back, it might already be gone. No doubt. Yeah. that I run into that here too, because a lot of the, a lot of the shit that I drink is all seasonal and it can get, it can get a little frustrating because there's stuff that you'll kind of get a craving for. Or like with me, I kind of like, I get really bad about like right now I'm really big on snapper and snapper i do believe is year round now but what i'll do is like i'm the kind of guy that if i try like a really good meal at a fast food restaurant because i'm white trash dude i buy beer at gas stations and i eat fast food <laughs> uh so if you've ever seen my pictures like it, it all makes sense like it'll all click into view uh but the biggest thing is that like if something's really good and it's a sure thing i just want to have nothing but that for the next week or or the next right. two weeks or whatever so, like, if I come in on the tail end of a seasonal, like, I'm just basically fucked for a year. And then a lot of the time, too, like, they'll turn around and be like, yeah, it didn't really sell that well, uh, so we're not going to do it this season. It's just like, fuck, okay. I'm just never going to taste that again. Okay. Yeah, but it was kind of interesting to, to see how that goes. And uh, we're actually, my parents are going to come up, I think, in about two more weeks, and we're going to take them to Founders for their first time. Um, so, like, I mean, I know you have never been to Founders, Um but Founders is a bit overwhelming because now that they have a uh, like a barrel aging house like down the road, they have so and they've expanded their their distribution and all that kind of stuff in their warehouse facilities. So they're able to just make so much more beer now and keep up with a lot of other shit, which will come into play in our next episode, as you'll hear. But it's one of those things where it's a bit overwhelming to see how much beer there is at founders where you're like, Oh, that sounds good. Oh my God, that sounds good. Holy shit. And then like, even if you were to get a sample of everything, you're still looking at about 16 different beers at any given point that you're like, well, fuck, just give me like a little sample of everything. Yeah. Cause you're going to be trashed by the time you're done with the sample plate. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the, the other good problem to have is that they have amazing food there too. So it's like, you know, if you start getting trashed, then you get hungry, and then you, like, eat food, and then it's just a never-ending cycle of being like, oh, God, I'm so full. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, me and me and Jeff went up to Narrow Gauge Brewery uh, for another podcast that we, we guested on, and I remember he let us he let us sample, like, it was, like, eight beers he let us sample. We're like, oh, wow, that was really cool, you know, and we're feeling pretty good because they were pretty decent-sized sampler glasses. And then he's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, let me go get the other ones. And we're like, what do you mean other ones? So he pulls out another, like, eight beers. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, we, we got done with our samplers, and we were just like, oh, cool. Uh, what do you guys got to eat around here? <laughs> funny you should say that. We have this pa party platter mix. Well, it's actually funny because Narrow Gauge at the time, I don't know if they still are or not, but they, at the time they were, they were basically based in a uh, – unused portion of an italian restaurant so we we ate like fucking, <laughs> we ate like fucking kings that day it was amazing nothing goes better than with craft beer than italian food oh my god dude it was incredible <laughs> then you get a nice hearty wine to throw over on top of it 
No, you know, we declined the wine. The funny story about that, actually. Uh, so I had been, I was working at a at a cl- at a dialysis clinic at the time. Was my job, and I, I, uh, I was in charge of disinfecting their water system, and that's like an eight and a half hour disinfect. So I'm not going to get too much into the details of that, but needless to say, in order, I had scheduled to do that on the day we were going to go do the podcast at Narrow Gauge, and what was funny is. I was like, oh shit, I'm not going to be able to make it because I got this eight hour thing. And I was like, it'd be really shitty to tell the guy I can't make the podcast because I have to work like at the last minute like this. So I went to work at 10 o'clock the night before and did the, did the eight hour, eight or nine hour disinfect or whatever. And the clinic was an hour away from my house. So I was up all night and I, I finished working. I drove home. And I think I slept on my couch for like an hour and then Jeff showed up at my house and picked me up and we drove out to narrow gauge and had all like tried all 16 of his beers and ate all this food or whatever, dude. I was like, probably I was almost dead. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was one of the crazier, crazier experiences of my life, but, uh, no, no regrets, man. Narrow gauge is one of the best fucking breweries here in St. Louis. So, uh, hats off to them. We'll have to do a beer swap eventually, but uh, speaking of swapping, let's swap out and start getting into the socials and wrap this episode up. If you would like to keep up with Memphis Mayfire, you can find him simply enough on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Memphis Mayfire. If you'd like to keep up with Maddie Mullins, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Maddie Mullins. And if you would like to keep up with his On Point Palmade, you can find them on Instagram and Twitter at On Point Palmade. Simple enough. Uh, look in the show notes. You can find all those if you uh, are unaware of that. Uh, it was really funny to see Brandon Saller, who will be our upcoming guest, uh, do a fun on-the-spot commercial for On Point uh, with Porter McKnight of Atreyu's beard holding one of uh, the Palmade bottles uh, or whatever. So it's a little bit uh, it was a little bit funny to see that uh, pop up in my Instagram stories the other day. If you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus, and Dan will tell you where he can be found. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I can be found on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. You can send me an email at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. You can also find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And uh, we're going to eventually get to another episode for the Patreon thing, but if you would like to keep up with the podcast as a whole up front, you can find us simply enough at Bruce Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head over to our YouTube channel. You can see the videos of everything we've been doing lately uh, where applicable. And uh, like I just was mentioning, Patreon is a great way to support us monetarily if you would be so inclined. We have a couple of extra bonus episodes, and we also have uh, lovely items up uh, as well, depending on the patronage level you would be willing to uh, donate to. So head on over to patreon.com slash brewspeakpod, check it out, and let us know what you would like to hear us do for a Patreon episode. Uh, we're pretty still kind of green to the whole thing, so if you have suggestions, we'll definitely take them into consideration. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we'll talk to you all next time.